The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Support for this show comes from the National Wellness Institute, committed to providing the tools, trainings, and resources to propel your career in wellness. Become a member today at nationalwellness.org. From Spirituality and Health Magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami, and this is Essential Conversations. Our guest today, Oren J. Sofer, is the author of Say What You Mean, A Mindful Approach to Nonviolent Communication. Oren is a graduate of the IMS Spirit Rock Teacher Training Program. He holds a degree in comparative religion from Columbia University. He teaches at uh, the Insight Medi- in the Insight Meditation community, and he's a somatic experiencing pr- practitioner and a certified trainer of nonviolent communication. Melanie Warner has a review of Oren's book in the January-February 2019 issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. Oren J. Sofer, welcome to Essential Conversations. Thanks so much, Rabbi Rami. It's good to be here. It's nice to talk to you because this is an important issue. Maybe it's always an important issue, but you know, I, I watch too much TV news and I look at Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff, and if we need anything at the moment. We need nonviolent communication. So this is, this is important. Um, let me just start by asking you for a simple definition. So how, how do you define nonviolent communication? That's a great question. And I don't know that there's a, a simple answer. I'll give you the short version is that nonviolent communication is a way of integrating nonviolence into our life on all levels, not just our communication, but also our thinking, our perceptions, our choices. So even though it has that word communication in it, it's much more than a communication technique. It's really about learning how we think about and relate to ourselves, one another, and and the planet, and integrating certain principles and practices so that we can live from a place of nonviolence and non-harming. So let's let's... Okay, I'm glad the way uh, I appreciate the way you put that at the end, nonviolence and non-harming. Are, are they synonyms for you? Um, yes, but with with some key differences. You know, I think non-harming is that ethical sense of not literally not wanting to cause harm, uh, but nonviolence encompasses a lot more. Uh, it it's uh, it includes an ethos of wanting to live in a very specific way, uh, such that there's enough for everyone. 
Uh, so it includes for me non, and for many nonviolence includes an awareness of the social domain of our existence and a desire to engage on that level with the institutions of our society. So there we're not just, not just looking at non-harming on a personal level, but looking at the larger structures of our society and how how we can interface, uh, relate with those and work together to transform those in ways that are more aligned to meeting human needs than uh, producing profit. So this is much larger than, you know, when you use the word communication, you're just thinking of people talking to one another. So what you have in mind is much larger than that. Yeah, nonviolent communication is a much broader practice than just interpersonal communication. My my work in my book focuses on the inner dimension of communication and relationship and then the interpersonal level. And so because for me, both of those are foundations for any kind of social change work, right? If we can't be aware of and understand the thoughts, the emotions, the impulses, the beliefs and biases that we carry, it's very difficult to develop a relationship with uh, someone we disagree with or have a meaningful conversation. And if, if we don't have tools to actually stay engaged and stay balanced and listen and express ourselves openly and clearly without blame, again, very difficult to have a productive conversation. So those are the foundations for being able to work together for social change. When, when you look at oh, the systems of the systems that that support let's just pick on western culture for a minute the systems that support western capitalist democracies even when you look at the systems that support that would you say and i guess i would say <laughs> so i'm putting words in your mouth would you agree with me that they they are not completely but intrinsically violent the way you're talking about nonviolence they're the opposite they're about exploitation they're about power and control they're not about sustainability and doing no harm they're just they're, they're more about making sure no harm is done to me you know from my perspective if i'm if i'm the one holding these systems you know that the system experiences no harm from outside the system but there's no concern with causing harm to nature causing harm to you know people of color women i mean there, there's so many you know gay lesbian you know, lgbtq community you know all of that that there's something in it seems to me, and I'll stop after this. There's something intrinsically violent about the society and the systems that uphold the society that we live in. Is that fair or not? I well, I, I would agree. Um, there's a couple things that come to mind, Rabbi, to to kind of riff off of what you're saying. I think the first is a definition of violence, right? Because usually when we think about violence, we think about physical harm. And absolutely, the, the systems and structures that we live within perpetuate very clear, direct physical harm uh, to individuals and communities on a daily basis. Uh, one philosopher and kind of profound thinker in the field of conflict studies, Johann Galtung, uh, gave a really brief, powerful definition of violence. He says, violence is any avoidable impairment of fundamental human needs. So when we when we look at that definition, we can see very clearly that the institutions and structures of our society are violent in the sense that they are not, in their essence, many of them are not designed as the 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 aim being to meet human needs, 
right? We live in a society where that's that's not the fundamental aim. So that's that's one important point that comes to mind. The other is the distinction between the systems and structures within which we live and the individuals who work within those systems. And I think that one of the things that is very easy to do is to demonize people in power or to demonize those who are working within systems. And it's not to say that uh, there are not individuals who have um, the poor intentions uh, or who are you know, consciously engaging in actions or choices that are causing harm. But I think there are also many individuals who have the best of intentions, who are trying to work, but who are caught in a structure, in a system that is not designed to meet human needs. And so I think that one of the aspects of nonviolent communication is learning tools and perspectives to stay connected to the humanity of one another, even when we disagree vehemently with the views, actions, or choices of other people. And this is this is really what's at the heart of nonviolence. How do we not succumb to enemy Im- images in our minds, to demonizing people on the other side, people who are different than us, uh, even people who are doing harm to the planet or to our families or communities? How do we how do we see the 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 humanity that's inside them? distinct from the choices that we're making. And it's that ability to see in that way that allows us to work for change and not recreate the very systems that we're trying to transform. Wow. So that's a huge, huge thing to take on. But you, if I, if I read the book properly, if I have a sense of what you're saying, you really set out a way of approaching this, uh, what you call, or I think maybe these are my words, the three steps of nonviolent communication lead with presence, come from curiosity and care, and focus on what matters. It seems to me that those three things are a way for anyone, but I'm you know, thinking of, of myself and, and those who are listening to our conversation, that those are ways that you, that, that you and I and, and they can get started with this. Can you walk us through the three uh, and, and you know, flesh them out for us? Those are the three steps to mindful communication, which is, which is what I teach, which is an integration of contemplative practice uh, nervous system understandings from trauma healing and nonviolent communication. So the first step, as you said, is to lead with presence. And this means that before anything else, we just show up. It's, that it's based on the recognition that the foundation of understanding and connection is this ability to be present with one another. And that if we're not actually here we're not going to have a meaningful conversation or be able to understand one another. So we can actually train ourselves to be more grounded, present, and clear, not just in ourselves, but with another person in real time from moment to moment. So leading with presence means that we start from this place of grounded awareness and that we keep coming back to it, that we learn how to stay aware in a conversation. And this has a whole range of benefits from supporting understanding and connection to being able to have more choice and flexibility in a conversation when we are truly present. If we start to get defensive or reactive, we feel that, we notice it immediately, and we have the space inside to be able to slow down and make a different choice instead of reacting habitually. So this is the first training, the first step of being able to lead with presence. 
The second step, the second training is about our intention. Where are we coming from? And this too is fundamental. And it's one of the pieces that's often left out in communication training models and looking at interpersonal relationships. There's often a focus on the words, the thinking, and less explicit treatment of what's the motivation? You know, where are we actually coming from inside? And what's fascinating about this is that linguists say that something like 60 or 70% of human communication is nonverbal. It's not just in the words. It's not even primarily in the words. It's more in our body language, our facial expression, our tone of voice, what we don't say, micro expressions that we pick up on, but just below the surface of consciousness. And all of that is being animated by our intention. It's why when someone says one thing and their body language or our intuition is saying something else, we trust those other signals. So, here we learn to become aware of our default habitual training through the through our society, culture, family, and upbringing to see what are the intentions that we automatically bring to conversations. Things like wanting to be right, to win, to get our way, to protect or defend ourselves or judge or blame the other person, which all of those can produce results in the short term, but they come at a cost, right? When has, when has being right ever brought you closer to someone. <laughs> right. That doesn't, doesn't usually work, right? Right. So, so we start to recognize through this training that there are more useful intentions that have fewer liabilities in conversations. And the, the two that I encourage people to learn as a default are these intentions to come from curiosity and care. This, this intention to understand is one of the most powerful and transformative ingredients in a dialogue. Because when we are actually sincerely interested in hearing another person, they feel that and it changes the atmosphere of the conversation. When other people feel heard and understood, they have more room inside to listen to us. So we start to build the conditions for actually having a meaningful conversation when we come from curiosity and care. And care means that we're connected to our values and our heart that we are, we are not uh, harboring ill will or hostility towards, towards others, for, if only for the reason that it causes us harm to, to be living with bitterness and hatred in our heart, not to mention the effect that it has on others in our relationship. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. I want to jump in for a second. We'll come back to the third, which is focus on what matters, because I want to just ex- have you expand a couple of things you said, especially about this notion of intention. This is really interesting. You you, you said earlier, uh, you didn't mention the name, but I, I think his name is Albert Morabian, something like that, uh, who came up with this notion that only 7% of our communication is through language, you know, words. And it's 55% is body language, 38% is tone. So I was going to ask you about, about that, thinking that we were going to focus on language alone, but this is so much more broad. So 
I love this idea of, of intention. Would you suggest that people, oh, I don't know, are there practices? I mean, given you're coming from a Buddhist background, is there something that people could do to set an attention that works through the body first? Rather than just intend to come up with, you know, I'll, I'll say good words or nice words or something. Is there something I can do physically with my breath, with my stance, with my, I don't know, uh, using my body as a way of, if that's where 55% of my communication comes from, can I set a physical intention to communicate nonviolently with the body, which I then assume would impact positively my tone of voice and the words I use? Yeah, so there, there are a couple things here. Rabbi, I think that the first is that 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 body awareness that you're referring to for me is really the training in presence and mindful awareness. So uh, I'll give a few tools for that. And the the if there is an intention in this, it's just the intention to be present. Because when we are actually here in our body connected to ourself, we notice the impulse, the reactions, the defensiveness that comes up. And we have some place else to anchor our attention instead of being pulled and pushed around by whatever momentary reaction happens to be moving through us. So um, one very simple tool is to feel the weight of your body. Feel your feet on the floor or your bottom on the chair, just that sense of gravity, feeling that weight and heaviness brings us into the presence and it provides a counterbalance to often the the rush of ungrounded energy that comes up in a conversation where we we go out towards the other person. We actually lose our own center of gravity. So feeling the weight of the body is one. Um, pausing or slowing down the pace of your speech just a little bit. It doesn't need to be unnatural. But bringing a little bit awareness of, of but bringing a little bit of awareness to the pace of our speech, again, helps us to be more present, to have more choice over how we're relating and interacting. What I find in myself and in the students that I work with is that when we are more present, when we are more aware of ourselves, our emotions, and our body, then we notice when there are habitual intentions that are not helpful coming up, and we can use that awareness to pick up more helpful intentions like curiosity and care. So one of the ways to get curious, like how do we actually do that, right, is one of the things I'm hearing you're saying. Yeah. One of the ways to do that is with this third step, focus on what matters. And at the heart of this step is the perspective that nonviolent communication is based on, which comes out of humanistic psychology, the work of Abraham Maslow, Carl Rogers, which is the premise that all human beings share the same fundamental universal needs and that our actions, our behaviors, our choices can be understood as an attempt to meet our needs. Consciously or unconsciously, wisely or unwisely, the things that we do as humans are attempts. It's like we're reaching for some kind of satisfaction or fulfillment on a basic level. So this allows us to get curious when we view things from this perspective, we can, we can inquire, well, what's important to this person? What are they actually needing, valuing, or wanting? 
that I also care about, that that everyone cares about. And that is a very powerful, reliable way to find curiosity, this genuine intention to understand, and to start to open up space in a relationship or a conversation of common ground. Because we're listening at this deeper level for something that's shared. Makes absolute sense. Uh, I mean, this is... This is really powerful stuff. You know, we, we are coming up against the end of the show, and I want to ask you just a small question, which, which is anything but. I'm just wondering how this would play out or how you, you might apply this whole notion of nonviolent communication in the social media world when people are going on, I don't know about Facebook, well, I guess Facebook and certainly Twitter, reading a lot of violent negative things from the president from from you know people who oppose the president i mean you're, you're, everyone's got an opinion and they usually come across they often come across very violently in, in these social media platforms is there something you can re- recommend that people could do not only as they prepare to post but even as they read things Yeah, absolutely, Rabbi Rami. It's a great question. I think the first thing is to recognize that when we open our feed, you know, whatever the social media app you're using is, that's like listening. And But the difference is that you're choosing to listen, or if you're aware, you have the choice to choose whether or not to listen. And one of the things about our devices and persuasive technology is that um, a lot of times we're not at choice because the devices are designed to capture and retain our attention. So I think the first thing is actually trying to bring more conscious awareness and choice to when we are engaging with social media and really asking, looking inside, do I want to listen? Do I want to listen right now? Reading is a form of listening. Do I want to absorb this information? That's the first That's the first uh, recommendation I have. The second If you do, as you're taking in information, try to stay aware of the impact, the effect it's having on you. So again, one of the things that tends to happen is as we are engaging with social media, the news, we lose touch with our body and our emotions, and we very quickly find ourselves in a state of being overwhelmed. So starting to track what's the effect this is having on me? And noticing when we begin to feel like it's too much, our ability to actually absorb the information or respond effectively, we're beginning to lose that. That's the time to stop. It's the equivalent in a conversation. We're talking to someone. We feel like, you know, I'm starting to feel overwhelmed. I can't actually listen to anything you're saying anymore because I'm just getting reactive. That's the time to take a break from the conversation. So we need to learn one how to choose when we engage with social media, two, how to know when to pause, when to take a break from it. And then the third thing is the the sense of responding skillfully. So when we are speaking, right, whether we are responding in the comments or um, stating something ourselves, how do we make sure that we're not adding to the level of divisiveness and fracturing and polarization that is destroying public discourse in our society. And this is where the training of nonviolent communication really comes in, of being able to not only understand the, the needs behind other people's statements, but also to be able to learn how to express our own thoughts, feelings, 
beliefs and needs in a way that is fully authentic without blame or criticism. How to state things in terms of our own values, what it is that we do want rather than what we don't want to provide a vision, a possibility for something to navigate towards rather than just cutting down the people we disagree with. That, that was great advice, Oren, and a perfect way to bring the conversation to a close. Our, our guest today, Oren J. Sofer, is the author of Say What You Mean, A Mindful Approach to Nonviolent Communication. A review of his book appears in the January-February 2019 issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. Oren, thank you so much for talking with us on Essential Conversations. It's been a pleasure, Rabbi Rami. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Absolutely. Essential Conversations is the podcast of Spirituality and Health magazine. Our producer is Ezra Baker, and our executive producer is Alma Tassi. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Liz Winter, and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Mediumship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.